Barukata Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam, Asher Kitshanu B'Mitzvotav V'Tivanu, La'asok B'Divrei Torah, Ve'arevna Adonai Eloheinu, Et Divrei Torateka Befinu Ufi Amka Beit Yisrael, Ve'nie Anaknu V'Zaedzaenu, V'Zaedzaei Avka Beit Yisrael, Kulanu Yodea Shemeka Ve'lom De Torateka Lishma, Baruch Ata Adonai, Ham Lamed Torah Le'amo Yisrael, Baruch Haba B'Shem Adonai. First and foremost, I have to shout out to my Ima, Rebetzine Griffin. I just want to say a big Mazal Tov to you. This is your Torah portion this week, and I hope that you have an amazing revelation of wonderful studies this week. And so, shout out to my Ima for that. So, the Basora portion corresponding to Parsha. Mishpatim actually comes from Matityahu 17, 22 through 27. So this is going to be an interesting passage because it's talking about some temple tax. So uh, let's go ahead and get into the reading. It says, now, while they were gathering in the Galil, Yeshua said to them, the Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him, and on the third day he will be raised, and the Talmudim greatly became greatly distressed. So first and foremost, Mashiach is doing this whole thing just like Abraham did, just like Yaakov did, just like um, Yosef did just like Moshe did. There's this whole understanding. It is about to be my time to be gathered into my people. So here's the deal. I got to let everybody know, you know, because, you know, Yaakov, when he knew he was dying, you know, he gathered all his, his sons together and, you know, he gave them blessings. Literally, I mean, every one of these individuals I just mentioned, they did the same thing. David Hamelech, did he not call his son Shlomo and, and hook him up with some brachot? So Mashiach doing the same thing. He's letting us know what's going on. Uh, even in the writings of Yochanan, he talks about ahead of time, you know, that you're going to have troubles in the world. You're going to have trials, tribulations of all kinds. But guess what? Take heart. I've overcome the world. That That's going down. So just know it's all right. I'm preparing a place for us. And besides, it's only going to be for three days, guys. Like, just just calm down. You know, we're gonna, it's going to be the 14th of Nissan. You know, everybody's going to be preparing for Pesach. And then uh, after I die, you know, and Bezrat Hashem, everybody takes me down. So I'm not hanging up overnight because uh, that would be not good. Uh, because you know in the Torah that you're not supposed to leave someone's corpse hanging on a tree uh, overnight. And besides, that would be hanging the image of God up and bringing desecration to his name. Because that's what the commentary says in that passage of Devarim about hanging a body on a tree. It's like hanging up the image of a king. And so it has to be taken down before nightfall. So anyway, Mashiach talks about all that. And then what goes down is uh, it's time for Seder because it's sundown. There's candle lighting, you know, even Mashiach's own mother. 
She didn't uh, take part in the burial. It was Yosef and Naktimon and some other individuals who performed the Chavre Chadisha, um, so to speak, of getting Mashiach's body down and making sure it gets wrapped up like we do the Afikoman and put it in the tomb. That's right. There wasn't any proper burial things going on, the the washing of the body and the anointing with the oils and all that. How do we know that? Because that's what Miriam and the other Miriam and a whole bunch of other Eshachayils were doing on the first day of the week when they came after the Shabbat. Which is important to note that day that morning would have been the 16th of Nisan. It's commonly called Resurrection Sunday, but that could not be further from the truth because when Mashiach rose, Sunday was not even a thing. It was Yom Rishon, first day of the week. The te- the uh, the Leviim, the original choir, were in the temple that day singing the song of Psalm 24. You know, the song of the day in your Sidereen. Let me go ahead and just drop that on us real quick, because just in case you don't know, there is a corresponding psalm that goes for each day of the week. And so at the conclusion of Shakarit, after you do the Alenu, there is the song of the day. And so the song of the day is um, Shir Shel Yom. Shir Shel Yom. Okay. So when you look at Shir Shel Yom for the first day of the week, you're reciting Tehillim 24. Just want to give you some notes here on, on this. Because if you think about the, the power of the resurrection, which is what we are operating in, if you are not being Torah observant through the power of the resurrection, stop. Okay, seriously. Like, you're only making yourself frustrated, angry, bitter. And you're heaping up death on yourself because when you follow the Torah, not for its own sake, not out of the love of God and not out of humility, not out of grace, you're going to end up with a whole lot of death in your hands and your heart and in your household and in your community. So. Power of the resurrection brought forth through Mashiach being raised on the third day, which just so happened at that time in history would have been on a Yom Rishon when this Tehillim would have been recited. Tehillim 24, you know, the uh, raise up your heads, O you gates, be lifted up, you everlasting entrances, so that the king of glory may enter. Who then is this king of glory? Adonai Zavot, he is the king of glory. Selah. So, two commentaries here. Says, as part of the morning temple service, the Leviim chanted a Tehillim that was suited to the significance of that particular day 
of the week. I'm going to just go out on a very, very strong limb, like a branch of the tree of life. So Moshe's staff, which we know weighed over a half ton. Thank you, Nova. Uh, yeah, for his crazy calculations. But anyway, I'm going to go way out on that limb, that half over half ton limb, and just say Hashem knew what psalm was going to be recited during the time that Mashiach was going to be resurrected. So the day of resurrection corresponds to the psalm talking about raise up your heads, O you gates, lift up your ancient doors. What else does it say in here? Hashem's is the earth and the fullness thereof, all the inhabitant land and those who dwell in it. Uh, who may ascend the mountain of Hashem, who may stand in the place of a saint? Because didn't I, Mashiach, said, I got to go ascend to the Father? I'm just saying. And uh, how about the fact that when you die, you're supposed to be impure, and then you can't have contact with anything because you have the, um, the tuma, the impurity of a corpse. But yet Mashiach after his resurrection, has clean hands and a pure heart and truly ascends a hill of the mountain of Hashem, even into the Holy of Holies of the heavenly temple, because that's how clean he was. He was holy, holy, holy. Anyway, let's think about that. So all of that, right, goes with the psalm. So it's suited to the particular day of the week. That is from Tamid 7.4. Yes, that is the Yerushalayim Talmud. As a memorial to the temple, these Tehillim, first of all, memorial to the temple, seriously, the temple was in existence and they were already singing a memorial to the temple. But okay, it says as a memorial to the temple, these Psalms have been incorporated into Shakarit because, you know, there was not a coincidence that singing the Sheer Shell Yom was not just something that we just threw in the temple service. It's like, even after the temple's gone, we're going to have, and may it be rebuilt speedily in our days. Amen. It's time for that. Please, Hashem, bring it. Let the resurrection begin. Sound the great shofar for our freedom. Raise the banner to gather our exiles. Gather us from the four corners of the earth. Amen. So we know that these Psalms were already in place. And so it's like, okay, so now that we don't have a temple, when we do these psalms, they're also going to be in memorial to that which was in existence while they were singing, while they were being sung, you know. And so it's like, it's basically like you're having a memorial service for something that is still with you. So it's just kind of like, that's that's just very interesting. But anyway, so there's a memorial to the temple, and it says the Talmud, Rosh Hashanah 31a, explains how each Tehillim was appropriate to his respective day. We will note the reasons in this commentary. All right, so check this out. The first day of the week. And I'm reading from the Art Scroll Siddur, by the way. This is why one of the main things you need to have before you have a Zohar is a Sidur, because stuff like this is in there. Um, it says, Yom Rishon. Yom Rishon. I think it's in interesting to know, too, because you know the manna came from heaven, and manna in Hebrew is man, which is mem, noon. 
Well, it just so happens the last letters of Yom Rishon is Mem and Nun. So, yeah, so that's one thing. The other thing, Mem Nun is the gematria of 90. Because you have the Nun is 50, the Mem is 40. 90 is the same gematria as Mayim, which is water. And Melek, which is king. So you got the water king mana corresponding to Yom Rishon, all about a psalm talking about the king. Or shall we say talking about the manna? Or shall we say talking about the water? Because Hashem is that of glory and he's going to enter in. And he did. And he shall do it again when he brings all of us into the resurrection. So we're looking forward to that. So it says, the first day's Tehillim teaches that everything belongs to God. You know, the word Rashit, which is first fruit, that is the whole thing that sanctifies the sum of its parts. So when you bring in your Rashit, your first of all of your offering, you've now made all of your produce holy. Because it's hard for us to connect to this because we're not farmers today, but we bring on paychecks. So if you really want to have holy funds or holy money, so to speak, pay your tithe. Give your receipt to Hashem and that will sanctify the rest of your money so that it can actually be effective in doing what we get money for. So. I want to bring that all the way over to the fact of Mashiach's resurrection because you now have the second Adam on the scene who's supposed to sanctify all mankind. And because of his resurrection, his sanctification, his purification, he now gives the opportunity for the rest of humanity to have purification, sanctification, resurrection. Because I believe... Well, I'm just saying this tongue in cheek because it is written by Shaul Hashliach that if Mashiach wasn't resurrected, then there will be no resurrection. And furthermore, to that fact, if also if he wasn't resurrected, we're just wasting our time because we're preaching a dead Mashiach who had no ability to save us. He couldn't even save himself. So there's that, because, you know, one of the things about Mashiach, bring yourself down off that tree, save yourself. That's not where the salvation came from. The salvation actually came from being removed from death, or shall we say removing death from the human body, from the soul, from the spirit, that which causes us to age and decay, get sick, have gross materiality and physicality to pull us away from the glory of God and cause us to seek after our own knowledge, our own wisdom, our own understanding, our own intellect, our own figuring out what service of God looks like. That's salvation. When you can get delivered from all of that. So Mashiach being raised into newness of life and giving us the opportunity to be raised into newness of life. So now when we interact with the Torah of God, it's not based off of, oh my gosh, I fear Hashem is going to zap me with a million lightning bolts. I'm going to turn into a greasy spot. Or, oh my gosh, I don't want to go to Gehenna. Or, oh my gosh, I, I want to um, make sure that this rabbi will accept me. And, oh my gosh, I want to make sure that I can make Ali God of Israel. 
That's not why we follow Torah. We follow Torah because the newness that was brought forth through the offering of the one who's called the first, who actually is going to sanctify the, the whole, the rest of mankind. We follow Torah because now we have been sanctified, set apart for that. Now we're walking through the sanctification process and ultimately glorification happens at the end of this, which is when we will no longer have to deal with death. But now we have victory over it. In other words, we don't have to give in to all of the things that used to bind us up and say, hey, we follow this and we do that. And this is how we do. You know, now it's like, no, we follow Hashem. This is how he do. And I'm opening myself up as a vessel for him. And I want his glory to be made known. It's not about me. And I am, you know, lower than the slugs, you know, I am uh, in competition with them. Like who can get lower than who, you know, who's really dust and ash because, you know, Abraham saw himself that way. And yet he looked like a Shem because Abraham looked like Adam who looked like a Shem. And when a Shem made Adam, he made him in his image. And even the heavenly hosts came to worship Adam and a Shem was like, no, that's not me. So if you think about that, empty of self, looking like a Shem, really leading all of creation into glory and worship of the one true king. That's what we're talking about with this psalm. Anyway, so the resurrection power and all of that. It says, so everything belongs to God because on the first day of creation, God was the sole power. Even the angels had not yet been formed. He took possession of his newly created world with the intention of seating it to man. He took possession of his newly created world with the intention of seating it to man. Rosh Hashanah 31a Did not Mashiach hand us the baton after he told us that everything was in his hand? He has sole possession. Look, Matthew 28, right here. He says it. Matthew, no, not Matthew 27. Matthew 28. Let's go ahead and go with verse 17. When they saw him, they worshiped, but some wavered. Verse 18, and Yeshua came up to them and spoke to them, saying to Helene 24, all authority in Shemaim and Ha'aretz has been given to me. I got everything. This is it. Uh, or You ever heard this verse from Yeshiyahu? For a child is born to us, a son will be given to us and the government will be upon his shoulder. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. First of all, he's called Mighty God. This child who is born of a virgin is going to be called Mighty God. What man can you truly call Mighty God? What man owns all of heaven and all of earth? I'm just saying. I'm just asking. Father of eternity. Seriously, Aviad? Everlasting Father, there's a Midrash 
connecting Micah 2 to uh, Yeshiyahu. What verse was that? Just uh, We were just reading that today. Um, the angel of his face saved us. Uh, where is that at? Yeshiyahu. Nope, not Yeshiyahu. Weird sound. Where's my little notepad? Here we go. Boom. Yeshiyahu. Where you at? 63.9. In all their affliction, he was afflicted. The angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his pity, he redeemed them. And he bore them and carried them all the days of old. Yemei Olam, all the days of old. Micah 5.2, where it speaks of the origins of Mashiach as being in the days of old. Days of eternity. Olamim. Yemei Olam. When you start looking at stuff like that, we're talking about eternity. And no man has the ability to say that. If they do, they need to be given some happy pills and put in a padded room. That's the nicest way I can put that. But anyway, Sar Shalom. He shall be called the prince of the name of God. Who's called the prince of the name of God? Well, if you read Parsha Mishpatim, there is an angel who's called the one who has my name in him. So, yeah, there you go. And that angel is a minister of the prince of the face, the minister of the Holy of Holies, who is called the word of God, who is the angel of Hashem, who is the one who leads us to the throne of God, who also sits on the throne of God. Just escalate everything very, very quickly. And so how can you say this angel sits on the throne when no one can sit in heaven? Well, let us all be like Rabbi Akiva from Tractate Chagiga 14b, who went into the Pardes and was able to see all of these wonderful things and yet come out unscathed because he understood something that the one who was sitting on the throne is the image of Hashem. So there was not a second power who occupied Hashem's throne. Hashem was occupying his throne. And this image of Hashem is the image of the invisible God, i.e. the Mamre, i.e. the manifestation of Hashem, i.e. the word of Hashem, because the word was God, the word is God, the word was with God in the beginning. Okay, which is important to know in the beginning should literally be translated as with Rashid. So when you look at with Rashid, you're looking at with the Torah or in the Torah. So God is in the Torah, Mashiach is in the Torah, and this is all Sar Shalom, and this is all Hashem, and this is like, yeah, it just is, it was, and it shall be. So, I mean, how do you really explain that? <laughs> you know, it's just kind of like, okay, because in the beginning literally means in the Torah or with the Torah. So Hashem was with the Torah creating that's literally how you read Genesis 1 and John 1. Like, that's what we're talking about. So anyway, uh, Sar Shalom, 
and the increase of his government and shalom, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it through justice and righteousness. From now until forevermore, the zeal of Adonai Zavot will accomplish this. So yeah, Luke 1, 32-33 is the fulfillment of that passage from Yeshiyahu 9, 5 through 6. And then you can bring in Daniel 7 if you want to just not be fair to everybody, where it says in verse 14, dominion, glory, and sovereignty were given to him that all people's nations and tongues should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will never pass away and his kingdom is one that will not be destroyed. Matthew 28, 18. So there you go. We've made that full circle. All right. Everything is given to him. This is the time that was going on during this day where Mashiach had already promised us on the third day, which is actually going to be Yom Rishon. Because I'm going to get, I'm going to get crucified. I'm going to get buried, but it's going to be the third day after that, which is going to be a Yom Rishon. And then that's going to correspond to all this information. Just so you know, if you, if you have trouble believing me as the Messiah, I just need to let you know the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. That's the day I'm going to be resurrected to show you that point. So highlight underscore and bookmark <laughs> like I am the Mashiach. I am the Mamre. I am the word of God. I am Ben Elohim. I am the son of man. I am Melech Israel. All that. Okay. Goes on to say, Hashem's is the earth. Since the world belongs to God, anyone who derives pleasure from his world without reciting the proper blessing, expressing thanks to the owner is regarded as a thief. You know, isn't it uh, Malachi who says, will a man rob God? Let me uh, just double check that. Yeah, it's it's Malachi. Brukashim, will a man rob God for you are robbing me? But you say, how have we robbed you? We've eaten without saying blessings. Actually, it says here, and in the tithe and the offering, which, by the way, is all about blessing, because you say a blessing for the offerings. But anyway, uh, and when you say a blessing, it's like giving an offering because that's called the fruit of the lips, which are called korbanot. Because what? May our lips replace or may our lips compensate for the bulls. Because we can't offer them right now. And even when we did offer them, we still said brachas that corresponded to the actual bull being offered. Anyway, you have cursed me with a curse. You've, you kept robbing me, the whole nation. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Then there will be food in my house. Now test me in this, says Adonai. Mr. Get Bad so you can get bad. Okay, test me, all right? If I will not open for you the windows of Shemaim and pour out blessing for you until no one is without enough. Just saying, that's that's Malachi. 
dropping ridiculous bombs. He needs to get arrested. Uh, chapter three, verses eight through ten. So anyway, uh, Better Coat Thirty Five A was about that whole uh, deriving pleasure from the world without reciting a proper blessing to express thanks to the Creator. This is why, if you understand why we do blessings before we eat, which even Christianity teaches, they even understand that. So that's interesting. Anyway, uh, a couple more points here from this Tehillim, because, again, we're talking about Messiah being raised on the third day. Sika, because that's what he's talking about. He's he's leading out with I need to let you know a few things before I get into my point here. While we're all here gathered together, dearly beloved. He founded it upon the seas. The entire planet was covered with water until God commanded it to gather in seas and rivers and expose the dry land. All right, waters, everybody listen up. I just want y'all to know I need some seas over here. I need rivers over here. And uh, yeah, so we need, so we can have some dry land action. Because, you know, the wind and the waves obey him and whatnot. So Mashiach, when he did that. So uh, that little drop about the seas being gathered, that's from the Ibn Ezra. It goes on to say, who may ascend? Thinking about Mashiach ascending to the Holy of Holies when he told Miriam, don't touch me. I haven't ascended to the Father yet. Says God's most intense presence is in the temple. So those who wish to draw near and perceive his splendor must be especially worthy. Mm. How worthy was Mashiach? Like resurrection, no sin in the human form worthy. Like on the level of Adam and even higher, because now we're talking about Adam, literally the word Adam. I mean, the word that's flesh and blood. It's like, okay. And then it said, that's from Rashi. And it says, by extension, one who wishes to enjoy spiritual elevation must refine his behavior. Neki Kapaim, which is one with clean hands. The verse answers the previous questions. To ascend, one must have clean hands from dishonest gain. He must be honest in his dealings with man and reverent in his attitude towards Hashem. My soul, it says, God is the speaker. He refers to one who swears falsely as having treated God's soul, as it were, with disrespect. Mm. Because it says, uh, where is it here? It says, who, who has not sworn in vain by my soul? And then it says, raise up. O gates, it says, when Shlomo brought, sought to bring the ark into the temple. Is not Mashiach one of the manifestations of the ark, right? Because angels ascended to send upon the Son of Man, because he said that, which is the place where the angels are, the two cherubim are on top of the ark, and that's where the shaking is and all that stuff, right? So Mashiach is like going to bring the ark into the holy temple of Hashem, into the Holy of Holies. That's why Mashiach had to go into the Holy of Holies, because that's where you put the ark. But anyway says, when Shlomo sought to bring the ark into the holy temple, the gates remained shut despite all his pleas until he prayed that God open the gates and the merits of David, who made all the preparations to build the temple. Think about that, because Mashiach says, I go to prepare a place for you. 
And then he says, thus, the verse alludes to Shlomo's future prayer, Shabbat 30a. The plea to the gates is repeated later to elude the Ark's re-entry when the third temple will be rebuilt. May it be soon in our days. Everlasting entrances, i.e. the holiness of the temple gates is eternal. Melech HaKavod, king of glory, says, by the way, uh, the first letter of each of those words, Mem Hey, 45, Sangamatria as Adam and the Sangamatria as Geula. So the second Adam who brings the redemption, it says this is God is given this title because he gives his glory to those who revere him. Get you some. Okay. And then uh, the last letters of those, that phrase, Melech HaKavod, is uh, Kaf Dalid, which is the Gematria of 24, which all has to do with the 24 gifts that you give to the Kohen. All right. So all of that has to do with what Mashiach is saying here uh, in Matthew 17, 22 through 27. Okay. So I'm going to be raised on the third day. Everybody's distressed. So that's how that little vignette ends. Now we transition in verse 24. says, when they came to Kafar Nahum. I say it like that because Kafar is the same as Kippur. And then Nahum is the word for comfort. So you got the atoning comfort is Kaparnum, Kafar Nahum. It says that when they came to the atonement of comfort, Kafar Nahum, the collectors of the half shekel, which is called the temple tax, came to Kafir and said, now you got 13 individuals here, but yet the collectors, which by the way are these Levites who are at this point in time are likened to being mauled by a bear. So the bear is going to come over to Kepha because when the when these people were out to collect the temple tax, they were doing it under the auspice of Rome, which was super skewed. So it's like, yeah, we need your temple tax, but what else can we get? Let's see. Let's figure this out. Uh, Kepha, by the way, is a very, 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 can I say very enough times, rich uh, businessman because he had the biggest fishing business in his area. Okay, so Kepha had a little bit of pocket change. And so now you're going to have a tax collector come to Kepha and be like, yeah, we need to talk home, but home, because I need that. I need to have shekel. And it's like, eh, I don't think you want to wrestle with me right now. You see who's behind me. Lion versus bear. Oh, my. You know, because Mashiach, the lion of Judah and stuff. Kepha didn't play around anyway. I mean, his name literally comes from the word for stone. I mean, it's like, do we really, do you really want to get stoned right now? Is this what you want to do? I mean, don't throw stones if you live in a, gl a glass house. I'm just saying, I mean, you think you're a bear, but, uh, you know, we can rock and roll if you want to. 
And there's no lying about that. But anyway, I mean, you know, because you got to think about this. Kefa, like, he cut off the ear of of a soldier. Like, who does that? It's like, oh, Roman guard, whatever. I slice your ear off. It's like, you touch my king, you will lose something. Okay? That's Kefa. That's who we're talking about here. So anyway, going on to say, it says that the collectors of the temple tax came to Kepha and they said, your teacher pays the temple tax, doesn't he? Yes, Kepha said. That's an interesting way to question. It's like, well, I'm going to talk to you about your teacher over there. He's like raising the dead and healing the sick and stuff. But while I got your attention, um, hey, does, he pays the temple tax, right? Kepha's like, yes. He says, now, when Kepha came into the house, Yeshua spoke to him first. Oh, don't you just love that? Mashiach is doing his thing. Kepha's coming in, and Yeshua's like, hey, so what do you think? <laughs> it's like, wait, how, did you, are you Sarah or something? Like, do you just, I mean, not Sarah, are you like one of the three angels that visited Abraham? He's like, I am the three angels that visited Abraham. I mean, transfiguration. Did you see Eliyahu and Moshe? I mean, you remember that? But anyway, um, that escalated quickly. Uh, just a side drop on that. That was a manifestation of Memtet when that transfiguration happened because Enoch and Moshe are also called Memtet. But anyway, if you get into the study of Memtet and the Kizkuni and the Akidat Yitzhak and uh, Rashi and the Midrash and... Um, all sorts of other ridiculous uh, sources on that. Don't let it rock you. Just remember, Mashiach and Memtet, like these are super deep concepts and it's really hard to explain them. But we know who Mashiach is and we know what he said. And if we can't believe in that, then we're going to have all sorts of issues. So don't let commentaries trip you up because they're actually meant to uh, foster uh, the understandings that we have and actually strengthen and build that up. Just like when you see in the Talmud deferring halakot brought down by different rabbis who are speaking in the name of at least two other rabbis and you see these conflicting opinions and you actually have to integrate the two together to get the actual bigger picture, you know? And so same thing with all the commentaries on Memtet. You have to put them all together because if Memtet, and he is, is the sum of all of the parts of the angelic host, I mean, what what do you mean? He he can't be Moshe. He can't be Enoch. He can't be Sandolphin. He can't be, you know, any of this other stuff. And it's just kind of like, okay, so that's a, that's a whole big jump. But I just want to bring that up because here we are talking about when the three men who were the angels, Hashem and his two angels visiting Abraham, their understanding what Sarah was talking about, even though she was in a different tent as they were speaking with Abraham, your wife's going to have a child. Sarah laughs, <laughs> whatever. Like my husband, my husband's old 
And they're like, why did Sarah laugh? And it's just kind of like, what do you mean? Sarah laughed? Yeah, she called you. Uh, she says she's old. Oh, she says she's old. You know, anyway, so you kind of I'm just kind of giving you a little bit of drop on that because I want you to really connect this dot here. Mashiach knows what went down with this tax collector and Kepha about to have shekel and whatever else he was trying to get. And Kepha comes in and it's like, yeah, what do you think? So anyway, Mashiach even knew what was going on in the heart of the tax collector Mashiach knew what was going on in Kepha's heart. He knew the whole situation. And it's just kind of like, all right, so what do you think? Let me give you this right here. He says, the kings of the earth, from whom do they collect tolls or tax? From their sons or from their strangers? So you got to think about this. Does the king tax his own son? Or is he only causing the people of his kingdom to pay the tax? Verse 26. After Kepha said from strangers, because Kepha was like, yeah, that, I mean, what king is going to really say, son, you owe me taxes because you're a peasant. And it's like, but dad, you said I'm the heir to the throne. It doesn't matter. You pay taxes as long as you live in this castle said no king ever to his son if he did uh he probably also needs happy pills in a, a padded room but anyway so that happened right so yeah so from strangers yeshua said then the sons are free and uh he says but so that we do not offend them I need you to go to the sea because what does the sea represent? The nations. And it says, and throw out a hook because I don't need you to throw the whole net. I just need you to throw in a hook. Okay. Just throw a hook in the water real quick. Get your little rod and reel. You ain't got to pull out all the stops. Just get this little thing here. Cause, cause they want more than this, this half shekel you see. This is a person coming like we need to gouge out Kepha. We need to gouge out Mashiach and whoever else we can get. We need we need to gouge them. And Mashiach's like, I got a gouge for you. <laughs> so it says, go throw your hook out there. Take the first fish that comes up. Mashiach's like, if you just throw the hook, like don't even bait it. Just just go because this is. It's ridiculous right now. We're supposed to pay the half shekel, but we do that during the month of Adar as we're getting ready for Purim. That's why Shabbat Shekelim is a thing, which, by the way, is coming up. Shabbat Shekelim is the Shabbat of the half shekel. That's this whole tie-in with Parshat Mishpatim and the um, the Maftir reading for this week and the Haftorah. So on uh, my podcast channel, I do have a Haftarah for Parsha Mishpatim, which is also dedicated to my Ema, Rebidzin Griffin. So, uh, yeah, so now you got a Haftarah and a, a Basura passage dedicated to you. So, Mazal Tov. And you're also in Eretz Israel. Mazal Tov. <laughs> you have to come home, though. Okay, anyway. And then we can all go back home when Mashiach shows up. So, yeah, it'd be a good family time. But anyway, so, uh, yeah, so 
all this right is going on in this little tax and and everything we're supposed to be doing the half shekel during then so this person coming for a temple tax like what is this you know like we go we go bring the temple tax you don't have to come out and get it from us messengers are sent out during this time because you know we have these special shabbats that are coming up as we go towards pesach and shabbat shekelim is one of them and that's the first of the major shabbats that we're getting ready to go into so look at those uh we got like you know the shabbat parah the shabbat of the head red heifer we got um i mean there there's a shabbat hagadol you know all of this is coming up so anyway, um, oh, Shabbat Zakor, which is where we have to remember to blot out Amalek and all of that. So we have these Shabbats coming up. And when Shabbat Shekelim happens, it's letting us know, hey, it's about to be the month of Adar. Uh, we need to pay our uh, half shekel um, so that we can provide for all of the korbanot that need to get offered for the following year. You know, all the tamid offerings, the, the morning and the afternoon lamb, the Rosh Hodesh offering, the festival offerings, all of that. If everybody gives you half shekel, that's all taken care of. Because that's how powerful it is. If everybody gives a half shekel, I mean, that's it. We got it. We got all of our sacrifices for the year. I mean, come on, man. That's legit. But anyway, since this person is going to come out to us and then try to collect and try to seek extra stuff, why don't we just do this? We don't need to offend them. Even though we're offended, but we're not going to talk about that because we don't have to. We're supposed to take on offenses all day, but we overcome these offenses by heaping hot coals on their head. So here's here's how we're going to heap a hot coal on their head. We're going to do a fish from the sea. And then when you open its mouth, you'll find a coin. Take that and give it to them for me and for you. Because you realize that they were asking Kepha about Mashiach so that they can loop Kepha in as the middleman and be like, well, you know, did you pay your temple tax? I mean, I'm just saying, you know, I'm really talking about him, but I mean, really, I need to let you know under my breath that I'm also talking about you. I need, I need, I need half shuggle from both of y'all. It's like, what'd you say? Half <laughs> shuggle from both of y'all. What? Or sir, are you sneezing? You have allergies? You know, because I mean, that's what's going on. So Mashiach's like, you know what? They came to you asking about me. I'm going to take care of both of us. And I'm going to use a fish. I'm going to use somebody from the nations. And they're going to like totally hook them up with everything. Because the coin is also about the soul. This is why the parable of the lost coin is a thing. And so the woman was looking around for the lost soul. You know, and which all of us, by the way, should be. We should all be looking for that lost soul. This is where the gathering, the divine sparks, the fullness of the nation is being brought in. That's what that's all about. So anyway, so you're going to find in the mouth of a fish, you're going to find in the mouth of those who come from the nations, the the price that is needed to be brought in to satisfy what uh, is being requested. So when you think about us going out into the nations and bringing, uh, bringing, gathering in those divine sparks. We're also bringing in uh, the riches of Hashem's kingdom, priceless jewels and priceless treasures to the most high God. I mean, the parable of the field with the hidden treasure, the parable of the pearl of great price. We are the pearl of great price. Like Rabbi Griffin has went over this 
like how many times, you know, get into the Midrash Rabbah and you'll get to understand this kind of stuff. So anyway, so yeah, so you'll take that and you'll give it to them for me and for you. Uh, and this is the temple tax for two people. So I get, we're going to give them a full shekel instead of a half shekel. Because when a Talmud and his Rebbe unify, I mean, that's, that's like a, a full treasure trove of get you some, you know? And so Mashiach is saying, you know, the half shekel, if you go through the studies of that, that's, that's one Jew, you know, but one Jew is only half of the whole. So when you partner with another Jew, now you have the two Yods because the way you say Jew is in a uh, Yiddish, you can say Yid, you know, which Yiddish would actually be a better translation of Jew. That's why Yehudi is one who praises God. And then Yiddish really is the way you could say Jewish. But anyway, so the Yid. So if you have two Yids, you have two Yods which is an abbreviation for the Tetragrammaton, the four-letter name of Hashem, which is a full shekel. Only Hashem is a full shekel. But two Jews have to come together and unify. We're two or more gathered in my name. There I am kind of thing. So anyway, and we're looking at those shekels. So, and remember the whole thing of why we pay a half shekel is because the 10 brothers sold Yosef for all those silver pieces. And so... Now, when we look at why we're giving the half shekel, we're actually making atonement for selling Yosef. So here you have Yosef, Mashiach ben Yosef, that is taking a part in his own atonement. While in the midst of being offended by a bunch of people who are coming out to receive air quotes, uh, temple tax. <laughs> it's like the way y'all are running the temple right now. I know y'all need some money because y'all broke because you're broke of spirit. You're broke of devotion. I mean, there's a lot of corruption going on. The main people who are in charge are Sadducees who don't even believe in the oral Torah. So therefore I don't even know if they're slaughtering the animals appropriately. Cause the only way you know how to slaughter a sacrifice is by reading the oral Torah. But if you're a Sadducee, you don't even believe in the oral Torah. So I mean, what are we doing? Or what are y'all doing? You know, and furthermore, did you know all the people who were saying crucify him, crucify him? Those weren't Pharisees. Those were Sadducees. Because the Pharisees were getting ready for Seder. How much do you got to do on prep day to get ready for Shabbat? Do you really have time for going out and being part of a riot and a, and a mob of ridiculousness? like condemning an innocent man and, and talking about crucifying him, punching him in the face and having this horrible parade of him uh, being whipped and beaten. And now he's having to carry this really large beam, you know, like, is that really what we're doing? You know, cause, cause I know on prep day, if, especially if you're getting ready for Pesach, you got to get all the hummets out of your house. Best Shim, you've done that already. You have until the sixth hour, by the way, to do that. So isn't it interesting that darkness came over the face of the earth from the sixth hour to the ninth hour? And that was by the time you needed to have your hummets out of your house. And by the way, you need light to look for your hummets. That's why we have the whole uh, custom of uh, using a lamp to go look for hummets the night before the uh, the Seder night. 
which would be the beginning of the 14th of Nisan, which was during the time Mashiach was having his Seder. And then they went out into Garden of Gethsemane. And then the people came out with torches to find Mashiach, thinking that he was Hamid's. Because they were like, oh, yeah, there's that sinner right there, that rotten piece of Hamid's. Like, we need to remove him. It's like, well, you should be getting Hamid's out of your own heart, your own house. Like, what? Is, what is this? But anyway, so, uh, yeah, so... The people who were really about about that life, we should say, uh, serving Hashem, they were getting ready for Seder. And so, um, you know, who's setting the Shabbat table, who's getting the candles ready, who's getting all the elements of the Seder plate ready and all that, who's getting ready to read the Haggadah, you know, and getting your Shabbat finery ready, getting the mikvah so that you can be cleansed, ready to go. Oh, and this little thing of actually having your Pesach lamb slaughtered so that you can eat it that night. I mean, come on. Like you got so much going on and you mean to tell me you're going to drop all that so you can go say crucify him, crucify him. First of all, you you ain't going to be ready for Shabbat. <laughs> I don't mean you think about Miriam who was there up until the last minute, you know, she was like, oh, I can't stay any longer. I got to go light candles. You know, it's like, wow. So anyway, so, yep, that is uh, that is going to do it for the Basora portion of Parsha Mishpatim as we looked into the upcoming uh, Shabbats that are going to talk to us about the temple tax, which is the half shekel and how we should appropriately do that. And, and Mashiach is leading us that even in the midst of corruption, we can still uphold the mitzvot and not even let the corruption of man bother us. So may we continue forth and may we bless the name of Hashem with all that we are, all of our mind, all of our soul, all of our heart, and all of our resources. Baruch haba b'shem Adonai. Baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu melech haolam, asher natan lanu Torah temet, vechaye olam natabetokheinu. Baruch atah Adonai, noten ha Torah. Amen.